We are well underway with our Supply Chain Super Trend series with Scott Luton and Greg White of Supply Chain Now. And last week, we aired Super Trend number two, where we talked about the end-to-end supply chain and is it dead or alive? That is over on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And if you missed it, go and check out episode 111 wherever you subscribe to podcasts or under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, you can find our Super Trend number one over on Supply Chain Now website. It is episode 307. And coming up, we have a LinkedIn Live over on the Supply Chain Now LinkedIn page, which is coming up on May 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we're going to talk about Super Trend 1, Super Trend 2, and what you can expect coming up in number three and number four. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am very excited about partnering with IANA again this year for Intermodal Expo 2020. Last year, I interviewed attendees and exhibitors about why they attend this event each year. I'd like to play a clip from my podcast booth that was on the show floor last year. We get a ton of value here. We've got a lot of the great, you know, some of the best customers in the entire industry are here. Most of them are here. Um, so we get a chance to talk to them. It's a smaller expo and it gives us really good time to, to get some one-on-one with those customers plus we're able to show off a lot of different products and and really get them get them to be seen and that's just a small portion of what you can expect at expo non-iana members can receive an exclusive discount use promo code ltsc2020 at checkout i hope to see you there Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It has been a crazy couple of weeks of self-isolation and, you know, buddy checks and making sure everybody in the community is safe and well. We hope that you are staying home, staying safe and staying well. We are sending out love and light to all of you and we appreciate all of your support during this time. Um, If you haven't noticed, we're doing a lot more online as far as virtual panel discussions. I've got a really big announcement coming up next week um, about something that we are going to be doing in June that I cannot wait to tell you guys all about. Um, But stay tuned because we've got some amazing panel discussions coming up. Uh, We've got a webinar coming up tomorrow with Fine Tune and then we've got a, a a panel discussion coming up on Thursday with Mercado and uh, the following week is Forge, which is the one day virtual conference with Procurement Foundry. So today I am joined by a company that is inspired by the complex and unpredictable 20 trillion consumer goods market, providing brands with a modern technology platform, which will give them the leading edge in customer experience. Before I introduce you to my guest today, let's get to the question of the week. So the question of the week is, what is the best career advice you have ever received? Over on my personal LinkedIn, as well as the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, people came out in droves. They loved this question, and I loved their answer. So Michael Cadio said, 
says, work hard, never say no to a new project, don't get comfortable. Jason Saltzman says, each new product is project is a new challenge to become better. Also, don't be afraid to step outside your comfort zone. Michael Ryan says, best career advice I got was from Philip Kane, help people connect the dots. Kevin says, a couple come to mind, take something away from everyone you work with and learn from it, good or bad. Elviro, go for the jobs which are challenging and the rest of the people candidates are afraid of. Darren Oakleston says, never work in one position company longer than five years. Bob Colvin, never be afraid to make an aggressive mistake. John G says, the best advice I ever got, it was to stop being so task-oriented and focus on the work itself. Chris Ruddick, never stop learning. Rohan Service says, um, manage manage your own career and never stop learning. Barry Seacall, take action and create positive momentum. Thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on that conversation. There is so much more to see and read. Go and find that post over on my Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page or over on my personal LinkedIn page. And remember to join us in the conversation every single week on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, which is every single Wednesday morning. And uh, we are, they are conversation starters and you want to be part of that conversation. So today, Joel Beal is co-founder and CEO for Alloy. He's joining me on the show today to talk about some of the challenges facing brands and how Alloy has come to the market with a game-changing platform, keeping your customer experience at the forefront of your success. But first, let's get to know Joel a little bit more. Joel Beal is the co-founder and CEO of Alloy. Prior to Alloy, Joel was VP of product at Adapar, a financial analytics company, and has also worked at Applied Predictive Technologies, which specializes in business analytics software. He holds an MA in economics from Stanford University and a BA in economics and mathematics from Columbia University. So welcome to the show, Joel. Hi, Sarah. Really excited to join you today. Absolutely. From the research I have done leading up to this interview, everything I have read is not only about the technology, but it's about the team and the execution. So I am really looking forward to giving our listeners the inside view into Alloy. So why don't we get started? Start by telling us why Alloy was born, what challenges you were seeing, and how did the brand even get its start? Thanks, Sarah. So Alloy was was born about four years ago in 2016 by myself and three co-founders. And we had all worked together at various previous technology companies. In fact, some of my co-founders had been college roommates. Um, so, so we went way back. Um, but a number of us had worked together um, at prior technology companies working with major retailers and CPGs. And had seen the challenges that they went through as they were trying to be more demand driven, just more responsive to the kind of inevitable fluctuations in, right. in customer demand. And I think one of the things that was pretty eye opening was how much of a lag there was in being able to respond to a lot of the things that just inevitably happen. Right. So these are things like, Oh, I have a new product introduction. How's it actually performing? Should I be doubling down or should I be pulling back? 
Right. Is my promotion paying for itself? Where should I be allocating my inventory? And these were huge Fortune 500 companies, um, brand names that everyone would know. And it was just kind of shocking as a, at that point, a relatively recent college grad to be seeing this. And, you know, Alloy's kind of founding principle is pretty simple. It's let's build a modern technology platform that helps companies better align their inventory, their production, their supply chains with the demand that's coming from customers, no matter how they're selling that product, because we're selling in so many more ways than we did historically. And with a particular focus, at least to start with on the consumer brands, who's usually a step removed from the process. It's a little it's still challenging for retailers, but they're close. They control the point of sale. They control the customer experience. I'm a brand. I'm usually separated from that. Um, and so how do I you know, bring them closer to that process and make them more responsive because they're trying to coordinate the whole supply chain. Um, as I said, we've been working on this for about four years. It's still very much, um, you know, constantly iterating, constantly growing. We have a lot of work to do, although we've made a ton of progress and I'm sure we'll cover. Um, the first year and a half um, was really focused on building kind of the core technology. And right. that was the data platform, the analytics engine, um, building something that was going to be generalized enough that it was going to work across a range of, of verticals. Um, but really, with with I think we're a little uh, atypical for a supply chain technology company in that we're very focused on the demand side of the equation. Because that was the piece where we found there's a lot of supply chain technology company that that focuses on production and sourcing, but all of that work is around aligning to customer demand. And yet people know mm -hmm. often shockingly little about that part of it. So can we start on that problem? And can we start to bring that information up the supply chain? So that early work was really around building that core data platform and getting those early customers, which I think for any new company is the challenge. It's like, how do I, how do I get in there? We were lucky to to find some early partners um, who, you know, a lot of these, particularly like these digitally native, fast growing brands that were very technology focused, that were kind of shocked at the state of the world. And, um, you know, just partnering with them, uh, tackling their early problems. And, and, you know, as time has gone on, we've, we've worked with larger and larger customers. So today, Alloy, you know, four years in, we work with everything from companies that are, you know, a couple years old, it's kind of all about top top line growth growing like crazy. And then, you know, fortune 500s that are all about kind of, you know, becoming more responsive in this kind of new, new world being more agile companies. Yeah, and that's huge for a startup, right, is to have those partners that are going to come in from the get go and really give you the feedback and the information that you need to build you know, the platform and the technology that they're going to use. But I want to say kudos to you because I think you were a little bit before your time because only recently have supply chains really put a focus on customer experience. And so when you, I, I, I'm guessing that when you first got into the market, you know, they weren't really thinking that way. And, you know, now more recently in the last couple of years, companies and supply chains or companies in general are focusing on supply chain. 
And then supply chain is really seeing the added value of collaborating with other departments and also focusing on that customer experience and knowing that success is going to be in the future based on customer experience. So really great that you guys focused on that from the beginning because, you know, um, as we're seeing right now, that is the, the future of business and the future of success. So why don't you give us an overview of exactly what you do? What What is it that you do? Yeah, a great question. So um, I think to, to try to break it down, fundamentally, as I said, we work with consumer brands, that's our, our market today, and we help them connect their sales data, which usually is going to be point of sale as provided by a partner that they work with, right? So that's going to be a yeah. retailer they sell through. If they're doing direct to consumer, it's going to be plugging into their um, e-commerce platform, but getting the actual customer demand, not just what they're shipping out, and then connecting that with all of their inventory, order, shipment, and production data. Um, and what this ends up looking like is a big map or a, a graph in kind of computer science speak, right? So I understand what does my supply chain network look like? And this is across retailers, distributors, 3PLs, my, my production, and how are all of those things related to each other, right? Where is my inventory flowing towards demand and where is that demand coming from? So that we can, we can literally say this production facility, this is where all of its inventory is going all the way down to the end store or the fulfillment center that's shipping it to your doorstep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that is, I think, if you really want to break it down now, once Alloy creates that that graph, you know, we're able to do all sorts of analytics on top of it, um, you know, to help you identify, you know, where's your inventory piling up? Where is it, you know, falling short? Where are you running promotions? Are they paying for themselves? Um, there's a multitude of different ways that people actually apply that core platform. But I think, you know, if somebody asked me in simple words, I'm like, we build a map of your supply chain and, and show you the relationship between your supply and your demand. Yeah, and how each department can collaborate. I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows that I I say collaboration a lot because it's the future of business, but I I I always like to emphasize the fact that, you know, business is going to be so much more successful if the supply chain on every single part can of the business can work together. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are doing. You're connecting the dots, you're focusing on customer experience, and you're bringing that down the chain so that um, the right pieces are in the right places for to really fulfill that demand. Absolutely. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Uh, we're breaking down silos, and those silos yes. are across partners in the supply chain, all mm -hmm. these different players where you have to go get the data from them. Usually they're sharing data, at least in some form or another, but it's breaking down the functional silos, you know, within these companies as well. And I think you're absolutely right. You look at something like a, a promotion, right? For so many people in consumer products, promotions are a huge way that you're driving demand. Um, you know, and look at all the teams that are involved in that, right? I mean, right. marketing is trying to decide which promotions I'm running. Well, you know, sales needs to be aligned to that because they're selling mm -hmm. the product against that. Um, you know, the supply chain folks obviously need to make sure you have sufficient product to fulfill that and planning is trying to stitch it all together. Um, and it's such a cross-functional thing. And yet, um, sadly, I think when you go into most of these companies, you know, everybody's just complaining about how siloed they are. They don't know what's happening. And so how can you have, it's obviously not purely a technology problem. We don't pretend that we solve all of it, but if we can bring a technology platform 
that you know enables this data to be you know kind of um, normalized and brought all together and and be able to speak the language that each of these teams speak. That's another challenge. Is even if I had the data in the same place, you know, my uh, sales team are you know working with retailers and talking about eaches, you know, the individual items that are being purchased by the customer. When I'm in production, I'm thinking about a whole whole other level, right? It's like yeah. the units of production or um, so it's like, how do you have something that can speak all those languages and allow those teams to better collaborate? And I think, you know, later on, we'll talk about some customer examples of how we've driven that. Absolutely. So you, we've talked about some of the challenges that we're having through the chain, and we've mentioned customer experience quite a bit already in this discussion. So, you know, customer experience is a matter of life or death in retail these days. So what are the top three challenges that brands are seeing when it comes to that customer experience? Yeah. So, and you, you alluded to this earlier. I think this is an exciting, um, it's scary, I think for many, but it's an exciting time that the increased focus on customer experience. Uh, and I, we've definitely seen and are continuing to see a huge shift of supply chain being more at the forefront of this saying, Hey, our job isn't just about reducing costs and, right. and, and um, it's, it's about driving a better customer experience and that drives top line growth. Um, Fundamentally, I think this is being driven by the changes in how customers are or consumers are buying products, right? I mean, it's really e-commerce that's driving a huge amount of this. And anytime there's a, a big shift like that, there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers. Um, right. I mean, it's just kind of inevitable. And the question is just, which one are you going to be? Um, I think one thing I always like to remind people as well, because there's so much... Um, discussion in the press about how retail is dying, like retail is growing, it's just shifting, it's shifting online. Um, yeah. And it's consolidating. Uh, and in talking about customer experience, if you don't provide a differentiated customer experience, you're probably not going to survive, like you, you need to be differentiated in experience or price or, um, you know, ease of, of access, whatever it is. Um, so I think for for brands, the key thing is just figuring out, hey, what's going to be my strategy in this environment? And a couple of things we're seeing broadly. One is because customers, um, they can buy in more ways and they also have more options than they've ever had before. Uh, so mm -hmm. you're seeing massive skew proliferation. Right. Um, and this is because A, different channels often want unique SKUs. So you see a lot of that of I'm taking a product that's very similar, but because people can easily compare, I need to break it up into multiple SKUs so people can't do that as easily. Um, it also is just there's more ways I can reach the market and customers expect more variety than they have before. And so the result, uh, if you think of the challenge for the brand of having more SKUs, well, I have a bigger portfolio that I need to plan for. I have more new product introductions and I have shorter product life cycles as well. I tend to kind of yeah. ramp these products up and then I'm sunsetting them. And so you're constantly having to kind of be reviewing your portfolio, which is just, it's just operationally more challenging um, across the board. Um, I think the other thing is obviously when you think about customer experience, I control that if I do direct consumer. Um, D to C is obviously a growing area, but by and large, that's not where most brands are going to make the bulk of their sales, even for those digitally native brands that we work with. Oftentimes they start there and then they you scale by by working through retail partners. Um, and and so you have to you really have to figure out how that partnership's going to work um, when you're when you're selling through somebody else, and so I think um, 
because just getting the product on the shelf isn't enough anymore, right? A customer can buy it however they want. They want, as I said, they want an experience. And so I think better collaboration on marketing, promotions, displays, you know, assortments, all of that is is more critical than ever. It, it isn't just about how many doors can I get my product in. It's making sure it's the right doors. Um, well, and you you bring up a really good point there because, you know, we're going from bricks and mortar to online. And so the customer experience is extremely different in both uh, in both ways, right? So the online experience, people are looking at delivery times. They're looking at the turns on inventory and how quickly that they can get the product. And that might be mean the difference of buying from you versus buying from somebody else and also the replenishment. And so from an online delivery experience, customer experience, the supply chain drives that. And if you don't have those departments talking, data sharing, collaborating, then your customer experience is just going to fall apart from an online perspective. And, you know, that's not good moving into the future because that's what a lot of brands and retailers are really um, banking on, right? Is the online shopping experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to make sure that you're online and your kind of traditional brick and mortar, that there's some collaboration between those. What you usually see is those are totally separate departments and they're often pretty yeah. siloed. But, you know, if I think for myself and I'm guessing for you, you know, sometimes you want to go into a store and you want to be able to feel a product or see it before you buy it. Or it might be that's the fastest way you get it. You're like, yeah, I just want to drive down the street and I want to pick it up right now. Other times it's like, I'm totally fine if it shows up in a day or two. Um, so you have to be able to service all of those and they're yeah. very different and it's so, much more complicated than it used to be. And you know, the last thing I'll mention, there's nothing new to this, but I think it's become even more pronounced is you better not run out of stock of your product. <laughs> I mean, yeah. because there are more options than ever before. I mean, that's obviously like, you know, um, you know, right place, right time, you know, like that kind of aspect has been something for supply chain from the start, but today it's just so much easier to substitute out that you've got to make sure where you're selling the product is available when a customer wants it. Well, and you've got to keep on top of so many different moving parts, right? Um, because you've got distributors that could be selling your products online and in stores. You've got pickup in store. Yep. So if you don't have it in store, they order it online and they go to pick it up in store and they're thinking that they're going to have it same day or tomorrow and it's not there. That's again, a failure on your customer experience. Plus you need inventory in the stores. So there's so many, you know, more moving parts when it comes to inventory and having inventory readily available for that customer experience that, you know, I think this is where um, companies are really going to see that collaboration and data sharing as such a unique opportunity for them as a competitive advantage and also to be successful in the future. So I know we've talked a lot about of retailers and brands, but what kind of industries do you work with and what are you, what are seeing the best results? Yeah. So as I said, we focus primarily on consumer products um, within yeah. that um, the technology itself is really agnostic and it doesn't matter what the product is, but, but we certainly have had more success in, in some verticals than others, just probably because you kind of get a beachhead and you get a couple customers and you, you right. learn their, their language and what really matters for them. So CPG has been a big area for us. Um, 
you know, high turning, you know, products, um, you know, it's all about usually operational efficiency or there. That's how a lot of them really differentiate. Uh, sometimes you're dealing with spoilage. So, you know, you have shelf life that you have to be concerned with. Um, automotive has been another, you know, good area for us. So this is more like aftermarket parts and things like that. Um, consumer electronics and toys have been a great, a great vertical for us as well as, as health and beauty and all of them, you know, have different nuances. I mean, health and beauty yeah. tends to be the in-store experience is pretty important. People want to go in, they want to try it. Um, you know, so there's a lot of kind of in-store execution aspects, pretty different in something like consumer electronics where oftentimes, you know, there is an experience aspect, but a lot of people are going to order that stuff online. Um, you know, longer, longer lead times, different, different aspects. But um, those are the verticals that we've seen kind of the, the biggest number of customers, at least so far. Awesome. Well, we're getting to my favorite part of the show um, because I always like my guests to walk us through, like paint us a picture of how you're working with your customers. So walk us through a real life example of how you've helped a customer. You know, what? how did they come to you? What was their challenge? Um, what were the solutions that you and your team came up with? And what was the end result for them? How did they benefit? Sure. So the example I'll use, uh, unfortunately, I can't use the the customer's name, but this is a uh, a very large uh, food brand, one that people would certainly be familiar with, or at least the the brands that they sell. And um, they are in an area where spoilage is an issue, right? They have a perishable item. Um, this isn't fresh food, but it's it, they are things that expire, and so. Um, they came to us because they were trying to reduce spoilage. I mean, that was a key KPI for um, the supply chain in particular. And, and it wasn't just spoilage within their own uh, network, right? Within their own warehouses. It was also across their their retail and distribution partners, right? right. So they had kind of, it was across the board. Um, it doesn't really matter where the product spoils. It's going to be something that, that eventually makes its way back to them. Um, and... When we initially engaged with them, um, we really usually start on the demand side of the equation. As I said, that's kind of our DNA. And so we'll go in and we're like, okay, we're going to plug into your, your biggest retailers and distributors. We'll give you visibility in exactly how much inventory they have, how fast those products are selling. Uh, we can also bring in some of your own data. But at that point in time, um, when I talked about the map and how that's kind of a key aspect of what we do, they they kind of saw it and they're like, this is great. I can see an aggregate kind of what's happening at the different tiers of my supply chain. Um, but I really want, you know, some, one of the key questions I want to be able to answer is I've got, you know, um, I've got 10 or so warehouses in the country and I want to figure out if the allocation decisions I'm making about inventory to each of them is correct. So I need to be able to tie that inventory directly into exactly how much the distributor is holding and all the way down to the retail store um, in retail right. DC. And so that was, you know, a lot of our work on that, that mapping and really figuring out all the lanes, the way things are shipped um, came out of collaborative work we did with them as we kind of mapped out their full network. And it was more complicated than some of the other networks we've worked with because they have examples of retailers that are serviced both by distributors and directly, and it's different for different products. I mean, these things you know, when you're looking at a 50,000 foot level, they seem somewhat straightforward. And then you get in there and you're like, this is like this crazy string of how things make their way to store. And I have to be able to model all of it. Right. Um, but, but we were able to do that. And, um, you know, the core, you know, one of the things that they were trying to do in reducing spoilage was 
allowing the supply chain team to have visibility when they were filling orders to make sure those orders actually made sense. So it was like, right. hey, when people are, are asking for products, you know, can you compare that about, against the current inventory levels that they're holding, how fast that's being depleted? Um, and, and, you know, we have a plan, but if we're, you know, identify if we're deviating from plan and it's likely that we're going to just pile up inventory that that's going to sit there, you know, to such a degree that it's going to, it's going to spoil. Um, and they were just getting caught flat footed by these shifts in demand. And I think if you look at what's happening in the world right now, I mean, mm -hmm. this is hugely relevant. I mean, today we're dealing with both demand and supply chain, uh, supply shocks kind of simultaneously, which is why I think, you know, the world's so crazy, but, but these are constantly happening, even a more kind of normal, normal world, if you will. So yeah. we came in, we, we tied all that together. And, and so what that looked like is we literally are plugging in down to the retail store level, the DC level, the fulfillment centers, the point of sale, the inventory going back into the distributors they work with all the orders and shipments. So we see all the movements of good all the way down to the point of sale. And then we tie that back up to their own warehouses um, and, and are even working our way back into their own production so that you can tie all the way from like what's coming off that plant all the way to the end. Um, and, you know, I think what it's allowed them to do, I mean, this has saved them millions of dollars worth of spoilage because they can, as I said, they can kind of evaluate their plans. They can evaluate all the, the orders that they're getting to make sure those align. But the other thing to our conversation earlier that I think has been so cool about this is we, when we arrived, we kind of were working primarily with supply chain and they introduced us to sales because a lot of this was sales data. And right. there has certainly been tension <laughs> uh, between the two, as there are in every organization of, you know, sometimes people don't want to share the data exactly. And supply chain would yeah. be like, hey, we want to know more about what's going on in your side of the org. And I'm sure sales felt the, the same way. Um, but it's giving them a single platform where you're getting a lot of engagement on both sides of that. And it's bringing them both to the table saying, this is the state of the world, right? So when sales supply chain can, chain can check sales, if they say, Hey, this is what we think we're going to sell this right. month. And you look at it and you say, I don't really see the math here. <laughs> we mm -hmm. already have more inventory than we need. We're, we're at a higher weeks of supply than we would like to be. So these numbers just don't make sense. So help me understand how we're going to get there. At least, at least justify that, and vice versa. If sales is, you know, you know, looking at where they think those orders can be, say, hey, do we really have the right amount of inventory to be able to fill this, or to run the promotions we want to run, or things like that? So um, for us, it's been a, a pretty exciting example and something that we're seeing, you know, over and over again of just bringing those you know, multiple teams to the table, sales and supply chain are usually the, the two most common one um, with, with a single platform that they can use. Yeah, which is great. And I love that example, because like you said, you brought sales and supply chain together, but you gave a really good um, picture of how they can work simultaneously. And for the betterment of not only the business, but the supply chain and the end customer as well. So, you know, if supply chain has an overage of inventory, they can communicate that to sales. And then sales can then communicate that to also the end customer to say, to really push that product and try to get that out and then vice versa, right? Sales can look down the line and say, hey, we we think or we know that our customers, because we speak to them on a daily basis, are going to want this product at this time with this type of promotion. Can you fill that? And how much time do we need to give you in order to be able to... Um, 
be able to fill that promotion so that we can better serve our customers. And I love it. I love that kind of collaboration. I love that story. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, more and more these days, companies are looking to partner with their technology providers. You know, they want to make sure they can grow together and work into the future together. So how are you dealing with the ever-evolving changes in the tech landscape? And how are you future-proofing for your customers? This is a big one because I get asked this all the time. You know, there's a lot of technology providers coming up, um, you know, uh, providing solutions for different parts of the supply chain. And, you know, customers really want to know how you're going to work with them, their supply chains, their business to help them succeed in the future. So how are you guys doing that? Yeah. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I think kind of partnering with uh, companies is what we've done from the start. That's how you build good technology. If you're is, if yeah. you're developing it in a vacuum, then you become an academic. You're just sitting in an ivory tower, maybe building very cool uh, concepts and ideas. And look, if if probably we let ourselves, we could do plenty of that. Uh, we probably already do a little bit uh, a little bit of it anyway. Um, but you really need to ground it in the real world problems. Um, you know that that companies are dealing with, and so. As I mentioned, from the start, we had these early partners who were companies, I guess, crazy enough to give us access to their data and say, hey, we'll be an open book. Um, yeah. But can you help us with some of these fundamental problems that we've had really since day one and we haven't been able to solve? Um, so we absolutely love to do this. We continue to do this. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, we we are always looking for companies that say, you know, kind of come with this open mind of this is what we have to offer today. This is how we've seen it applied. This is the value that we can generate that we're very confident in. These are the things that we think we can solve over time. Um, and I think if you look at our core kind of platform, there's so many applications for it, probably more than, than we need to, to be looking at. And you, you really have to figure out which ones do you want to tackle first. Um, but but we really like to get in there with these customers and say you are the experts. We we bring the technology expertise. I mean, half of our company or over half of it is in R and D. Um, all of the founders are technical in nature. I think we've all written code that's somewhere in our code base. Uh, <laughs> but um, and and we're constantly iterating. So that's the other thing. I mean, if you want to talk about what what should a company be looking for in a technology partner. First of all, you have to make sure that they're continuing to innovate on the technology side. And I think right. this is what you see happen with all companies, but certainly in, in technology is at some point, people often start to stagnate. They start to say, hey, this is more about sales and marketing, just getting broader distribution. My product's kind of done. I don't think you're never going to be future-proofed if you work with a partner like that because technology changes so quickly and what becomes possible is you know constantly expanding. And so you have to have a partner that's that's continuing to invest in there. Um, the uh, other thing is, and I think you also mentioned this at the beginning, is like choose a team you want to partner with because it's not just yeah. about the tech; it's about a team that is mm -hmm. going to listen and understand you and you know the challenges that you're working on. Um, the the last thing that I think is important for companies to think about is you know we are. Uh, we're software as a service. I mean, that's our model. Uh, every customer is using the same technology, like the, you know, the exact same piece of technology. They're obviously loading up different data. They're using it in different ways, but, but every customer is using the same product. Um, 
that that is good for some folks. It might not be good for everything. And so you have to kind of decide, do I want the benefits of, of buying a piece of software that I can customize to some degree? But you know, I don't get necessarily every ask that I ask for built, or do I want to have something custom built for myself? I obviously believe where possible, you should use, you're, you're going to get a better product if you actually use something that that's being more generally developed, because the great thing is we learn from all of our customers and can package that together, but, but it is a, a more generalized solution. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge. And I know there's a lot of different, um, kind of providers out there it can be hard to figure out who you want to partner with. But yeah, I think it fundamentally comes down to the people that you're working with and then making sure that that they have that mindset of just constantly iterating um, and, and growing. Yeah. And taking, it sounds like you guys take a holistic approach to when you partner with your customers as well, right? So you're taking a look at not only the pain points that they have now, but maybe the pain points that might come up in the future. And I'm sure that you're innovating constantly with what you guys are doing with Alloy. And that brings me to my question about the future. You know, what's next for Alloy? Yeah. So as I said, a huge percentage of our team is still kind of in, in R&D. And this is, we did not pick an easy problem to be going after. Um, and we've always said this is going to be, this is going to take decades to really try to connect these supply chains end to end. Um, and so, you know, a huge amount of our effort is, is on the data side. I mean, that's where kind of, I, I think supply chain technology kind of lives or dies is can you actually integrate all the data that you need? So for us, that's adding in more data sources, um, collecting more different types of data across that supply chain. Um, and then it's, you know, partnering with those those customers. And, and as we as we grow that set, as we add a broader diversity of types of customers saying, hey, what are the use cases? Okay, you want to dive deeper into how we can manage promotions and how does that interact with all the elements of supply right. chain? For somebody else, it might be around, hey, we want to have more sophisticated forecasting and we want to bring in more data elements to do that. Um, so, so, you know, we kind of continue to build out that core platform, but, but build more specialized applications on top of it. Um, and for us, you know, the, the end kind of vision is really how do you have a platform that connects that end to end with that idea of demand flowing from kind of the bottom all the way to the top. So every element of your supply chain is aligned to what customers want to do. I'll kind of finish on this one. And when I tell people who don't work in supply chain, what we do, the first question is like, doesn't that already exist? Don't companies already know all of this? And I think that's that's always encouraging to me because as someone who founded a technology company, you're trying to say, what should the world look like 10, 20 years ago? And most people probably think this world already exists today, but it doesn't. It's very complicated yeah. to do it. But it's such a natural, obvious, I think, idea of why why don't we work more in that way and and we're going to get there uh, and hopefully we'll get there sooner than later and i think everything happening in the world today is is put this in the forefront of the news when people say why are we running out of toilet paper <laughs> um and and you say well you know because it takes time for people to understand what's going on and to respond and, and that should just be a much faster process than it is today Absolutely. I agree with you on that. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. So from data to collaboration between business functions to focusing on customer experience, Alloy's platform is designed to help your brand succeed in the market today. For more information about Joel, Alloy, and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode one. 
or you can visit alloy.ai. Thank you to Joel, Cindy, Amanda, and the team working together and making this episode possible. I can attest that Alloy has a great team behind the tech. And uh, thank you, Joel, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Sarah. It's a pleasure. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. For more episodes, including our Woman in Supply Chain series, subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts or at letstalksupplychain.com. Next week, the newest member of our Let's Talk Supply Chain family is here. Yes, Andrew Johnson is joining me to talk about his company, Shelf Aware, and how they are revolutionizing the way you look at inventory. I can't wait for you to hear what they are doing. Plus, he will give us a sneak peek into what to expect from his new Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube series that you can find over on the SC Supply Chain TV. And if you haven't checked it out, it's called From the Front Lines. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube at the SC Supply Chain TV. Next, ships.com. Yes, that's my new tech platform that I have been talking about. If you'd like to get a preview, uh, please go to ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com to visit and sign up with us. We are looking for freight forwarders and mid-market shippers to share in our platform. Next, if you've got a supply chain professional, procurement professional, logistics professional in your life and you're looking for something to get them for a special occasion, go to shop under letstalksupplychain.com and you will find all of our merch. Plus, we have a supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Lastly, if you'd like to be featured on the show, go and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That's right. If you're going to review the show, I want to feature you on an upcoming episode and we want to hear from you. We love getting all the feedback. A great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.